The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hey there, it's Lo. Today's episode, we wanted to start with a special note from everybody at I Love Wellness to recognize that we are going through a very unique time right now. We hope that you are staying safe out there and taking the necessary precautions to keep yourself and your loved ones safe. We are here in New York City where things are not great, but we do know that podcasts are giving us a little entertainment break. And today you may even learn something new uh, because now more than ever, health is of the utmost importance. So we hope that you're staying safe and sane and enjoy today's episode. Hello, welcome to a brand new episode of I Love Wellness. I have a really remarkable guest on the show today. Everybody, please welcome Dr. Jen Ashton. Oh, thank you. We have our studio audience every week. Um, Dr. Ashton is the ABC chief medical correspondent. She's an OBGYN. She's a nutritionist and a best-selling author mm. and a hockey mom. Yes, I was like, that's the you? most important part. I was like, What's you, what do you want me to read for your byline? She's like, hockey, hockey mom. mom. <laughs> totally. Um, thanks for joining the show. We're so excited to thank have you. you. I love having doctors on the show. Um, you know, they lend such weight to the things oh, that we talk about. Think we're a boring group? No, oh, we love you and respect you. you. <laughs> thank you. You've given your life to serving other people, you know. Thank you, thank so you. it's really thrilling um, to have you on. So basically, listeners can see you on Good Morning America. Yeah. And what is it that you do for them? So I'm the chief medical correspondent for ABC News for the entire network. For the entire network. For the entire network. Mm -hmm. So that's all our platforms, digital, radio, television. And television is not just Good Morning America, even though just sounds, has to be put in air quotes, obviously. (laughs) Um, It's World News Tonight. It's Nightline 20, I mean, you name it. Mm -hmm. And and even it extends to our daytime platforms as well. So... um, yeah, it's it's a massive uh, position that I am really excited and blessed to have. I've been with ABC for almost nine years, mm-hmm. and I've been chief for um, just over two. Mm-hmm. And um, every single day, I work with incredibly talented people. We're really literally on the inside of breaking news. Um, and I learn every day, which is probably, you know, I know that geeks me out, but that's what I love the most about it is every single day I'm reviewing something in the field of medicine, nutrition, wellness that maybe I learned 15, 20 years ago mm-hmm. um, when I was in medical school, but I relearn it in a different way. And, and that's one of the things I love the most about my job. So how did you become um, sort of like America's doctor? I'm really curious. How long were you in private practice for and when did the transition sort of happen? So so I still have a private practice. Oh, you do? Um, yep. God, how do you do it all? <laughs> well, You're so like, I'm on 100 shows no. <laughs> every day, and I have a private practice. I, I actually have, full disclosure, I have no social life. I mean, no, <laughs> that's how I do it. Um, I have a private practice in Englewood, New Jersey. I mm-hmm. just see women, because obviously I'm an OBGYN. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see patients just two days a week, so uh-huh. I have had to cut that down. But I will never give that up. Yeah. I love that, love that, love that. Um, And I feel like when you have a national media platform like I have in the field of medicine, if you don't take care of real patients, I feel like it really shows. Mm -hmm. And um, 
it helps keep you grounded and real as a physician. So I love that, and that will never go away. Mm -hmm. Um, But how I got into it was it was the craziest. It's the craziest thing that's ever happened to me because I never wanted to do this. I did not go out looking for this. It literally fell on me. Um, and I, when I speak to medical students and residents uh, who are interested in medical media because it's become such a massive part of our society mm-hmm. and how the lay public gets a lot of their health and medical information right. is for better or for worse mm-hmm. from the media, I always tell them, I did not try to do this. Like, I did not, when I was in medical school or residency, I didn't say, oh, I'd like to be the doctor on ABC News. Sure, yeah. Um, It just happened. And so I think that the life lesson that I take from that, and I tell not just patients and students, but my own kids even, is just be open to big, big things happening to you in your life that you never planned. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, you know, if something presents itself to you, take a second look at it, even if you never thought you might want to do it. Sure. So I know that you do a lot of myth busting. Yes. Talk to me about that, because that's really interesting. And it's back to your original point of so many people these days are getting their health and wellness information from the Internet, from the media, from, you know, opinion pieces, from just comments on Instagram. You know, like everyone's drinking celery juice. How like (laughs) as a a human or like as an American, we'll we'll make the the group of people smaller. what should be my single source of truth? So, I mean, that's a really, really deep question. I know. Uh, <laughs> which is why you're so good at your job. Um, you know, I think probably I would start with consider the source of your information. So um, I once heard a great kind of quote, if you will, which is um, really applicable to the world of media, which is, sometimes the messenger is as important as the message. Mm. So if you Google something or you hear something from someone, something, you have to look at who or what that messenger is, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You know, not all messengers are created equally in the world of medicine and science. So Mm -hmm. credentials matter. The geeky initials we have after our names matter. Um, You know, people can just call themselves things without the credentials behind that. And sometimes that's okay, but I can tell you in the world of medicine, it's not okay. Mm. Um, So I think that the first piece of advice I would have, and it then segues into myth busting, is consider the credentials and the source of your information before you then act or process that information. Um, And then I think we have to understand, and this is a major problem in the public today, the lay public, that medicine is an art and a science. Mm -hmm. And so as great as it is to have access to a screen and a keyboard and information literally at our fingertips, how to process and use that information is something that you can't Google. Mm -hmm. So When I talk to people who say, well, you know, I read about that and I learned A, B, C, D, E, and F, and I say, that's awesome, and you might know the same facts as a doctor or healthcare provider, Mm -hmm. but you don't have the 
expertise, the experience, and the clinical judgment to be able to integrate those facts as they apply to you. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, a lot of times is the missing piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where the art comes in, and you can't Google that. Do you think that people are going to the doctor less these days because the internet exists and they feel like they're able to sort of like self-diagnose? I don't know if they're actually going less. I can tell you that despite the access to information that we all have, Mm -hmm. I don't see health literacy, especially amongst women, increasing, um, which is really frustrating to me. I think the more we know about ourselves and our health, the better. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, you know, to segue into a bigger topic, I think in this country we need to shift our focus more on preventing disease than treating disease, Mm -hmm. you know, like they do more in non-Western kind of philosophies of medicine. I was going to ask you, what's your perspective on a more Eastern approach to medicine? Yeah. I mean, I think that, can I say the word suck? Yeah. I think we suck at that in in this country. (laughs) I think that we are, you know, good at treating some diseases, um, but we're really not as good at preventing them. And part of that has to do with a longstanding paradigm that we've had in this country about how we see doctors and Mm -hmm. um, healthcare providers and that we only go when we're not feeling well. That's been ingrained to us, you know, generation after generation. So it's hard to break that habit. Mm -hmm. That's that's no one's fault per se. But in, you know, non-Western cultures, they go to healthcare professionals to maintain their wellness. We're just really bad at that. And we look at that kind of like a luxury and it's really not, it's a necessity. So I think that, you know, the access to information that we have in this country is unfortunately not moving the needle in terms of improving our health or improving our health literacy. I always think that an informed patient is a better patient, Mm -hmm. but again, it's how to integrate and incorporate and use that information to someone's benefit and not to their disadvantage or detriment. That's the missing link, and we haven't figured that part out yet. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with you. I mean, at Love Wellness, I think that's what we're like trying to do, you know, is kind of change people's perspective Mm -hmm. on healthcare and wellness and how you should approach your day-to-day life so we can, you know, like have issue-specific solutions, everything is natural, et cetera. But I would agree with you that um, transmitting that message specifically has been been our biggest challenge for sure. You know, like think about this differently more than anything else. And I think it's about being your own health advocate and understanding that like you might go down a couple different paths until you find the path that works for you. Well, it's funny that you use the word advocate because I I just did a segment on Good Morning America right before I came to your studio, mm-hmm. and I was suggesting that in 2020, we really shift to, instead of the empowered patient, to the active patient, sure. because I feel like, unfortunately, the term advocate, in my mind, conjures up like a an image of a patient like banging their fist <laughs> to be heard. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, that is necessary sometimes. Yeah. I get that. I've been in that position as a patient. But I feel like we've done that. We've played that out as much as we can. Mm-hmm. It's it's given us whatever benefit it's going to give us. And now we need to try another door. And that door, in my mind, should be the active patient, which is Yes, be curious, learn, mm-hmm. ask, speak up, um, but don't think that just because you know five facts that that qualifies you to be able to make 
your own plan because mm. that's where things can get dangerous. Interesting. So would you say sort of like on a go forward basis, because we have this conversation at the office all the time, you know, like you, like you said, you go to the doctor when you're sick, but if you want to change your perspective and be an active patient and just sort of work on preventative care or maintaining mm. your health, what are the things or the tools that you need to be able to actually practice that? And I think I can speak from personal experience, um, you know, like just from the, the simple concept that there are so many like tests that you can ask your doctor to do to just get a baseline idea of where you are with your health, like a vitamin screening test, for example, mm-hmm. um, or like checking for parasites, for example, which I know that you would get those kinds of tests if not if you went to like a naturopath, but not well, necessarily your like general okay. care doctor. So, so like, how do you approach your health on like a go forward basis? If you're pretty much healthy, like how do you be an active patient? Like right. what are the things that you need to learn about? Because people like like we're not doctors. We don't know right. what to ask right. for. So I'm going to challenge two of the um, hypotheticals you brought up. Sure. Just because you can do a test in medicine mm-hmm. does not mean you should do that test. Mm. That is a fact. Um, and the reason for that is because some tests have inherent risks. Okay. Um, secondly, in the hands or eyes or brain of someone who has to interpret those tests, it can take you down a road that literally is dangerous. Mm. And the goal of well care, you know, health care or preventative medicine is to maintain health or improve health or prevent disease. And if you do a test, and it finds something that is meaningless clinically, mm-hmm. which that's where the judgment and experience of a healthcare professional comes in. Sure. And you have someone who says, oh, I mean, I think we should do a biopsy. And you hemorrhage from that biopsy mm-hmm. or you get an infection from that biopsy. Both of those things absolutely can happen. You, you, and the biopsy was unnecessary in the first place. You have not done yourself or your health a service, mm. okay? The other thing is, is that I always look cynically when I have a patient come to me for a second opinion, which I see a lot of, mm-hmm. and they come with all of these fancy tests, which a lot of... Um, a lot of healthcare professionals, whatever their credentials or letters after their name are, will mm-hmm. do. Well, it's a be- whole industry right yeah. now, right? And, and like, buy all these tests you on the internet. <laughs> and, and the thing is, because they are very expensive. Yeah. Okay, so people come to me and they're like, look at all these tests. And a lot of them are so pretty and they have all these color-coded bars and graphs and all this. And I go, uh, how much did these cost? And they're like, well, I mean, it did cost $3,000, but look at all the test results I got. And I go they are irrelevant. Mm. Now, why are they irrelevant? Because we don't, there's no standard consensus on how to use them. Mm. So you mentioned another thing, vitamin levels. So when I went back to Columbia and I got my degree in nutrition because doctors don't learn anything about nutrition in Mm -hmm. medical school, I was shocked and horrified to relearn that you really can't test for most vitamin levels, okay? That doesn't stop people from doing it. Mm. That doesn't stop people from paying for it. That doesn't stop providers from charging for it. And the results are meaningless because a lot of times, you know, they check your stores or they check your serum level. Your serum level doesn't reflect what your stores are. Mm. Okay. And more to the point, we don't use in medicine right now, doesn't mean it won't happen someday, that number to give us a 
a course of treatment. So we don't say, oh, your vitamin C level is this. Now I'm going to give you this amount of vitamin C to treat that level. It is completely made up. Mm. So in medicine, to go back to my initial comment, just because you can do something does not mean you should. I'm a doctor. I could go. I have resources to go and do a full body scan. I don't do it Mm. on myself. And I don't send my patients for it. Um, so then how do you find well, because, out what's because wrong with you somebody? Have to, like if, well, you if go, somebody comes to you with let like me tell a complaint, you, if we, we want to go, go by Eastern philosophy uh-huh. of wellness and yeah. medicine, you go by the organism. You go by the person's feeling, mm-hmm. how they look, the physical exam, what they're telling you. Mm-hmm. And then you don't do a test in medicine until you know what you're going to potentially do with the results of that test. Mm. So I don't do any tests just quote unquote, because that, in my opinion, is poor medical care can lead you down a path that is maybe not the right. And it's a waste of time and money. And it can falsely reassure people that they're doing something great when Mm -hmm. it literally it has no meaning. Mm -hmm. So um, and this happens all the time in the field of women's health, all the time. People Mm -hmm. say, I'm going to get my hormones checked. And I go, are you going to do that every single day? Because your hormone levels vary day to day. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what? (laughs) But, you know, salivary test. Oh, well, there's no data to support that yet. It mm. doesn't mean there won't be in the future, but right now. But so, so this is a perfect example of your initial question of how do we use access to information in a way that makes us an active patient, an empowered patient, an informed patient, but also a healthier patient. Mm-hmm. And I think, unfortunately, as a society, we want to go and feel like, oh, I'm doing everything. I'm covering all the bases. Like a that doesn't make us healthier. You know what makes us healthier? A lifestyle mm-hmm. that is, you know, as as fundamentally sound as possible. And that, in my opinion, goes down to the trifecta of good health and wellness, which mm-hmm. is how you move, how you eat, and how you rest. Mm. And those things are the place to start. And unfortunately, we don't start there because it's it's too hard. I have a question for you because um, we have a lot of people, customers of our business that say, um, you know, I've been having these like weird mystery symptoms mm-hmm. for months or for years, you know, and it's um, like I'm depressed sometimes mm-hmm. or like I'm chronically mm-hmm. um, tired or I get yeast infections over and over and over again or like I have vertigo or like I get this, you know, whatever. And um, I think that a, a lot of people have these sort of like low-grade mystery symptoms Mm -hmm. and when we go to our doctor they just say you're stressed yep you know get more exercise get more sleep yeah and I think that for a lot of people they're trying to take um what they can do for themselves into their own hands Mm. because they're not satisfied by what their doctors are telling them so in a scenario like that what would you recommend because I would say that that's the majority of people right everybody has some like low grade Mm -hmm. level of discomfort in their body Mm -hmm. and we go to doctors and they're like well just get more sleep or try this so that you know and and it feels so totally unsatisfying that's the where the pendulum swings to the other direction. So I just kind of, we talked about what the patient should expect or do. Now I'm going to talk about what the healthcare professional, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. should do. Number one, it's listen. Yeah. And there's a saying in medicine, the secret to taking care of the patient is taking care of the patient. And unfortunately today, 
healthcare professionals have maybe four and a half minutes to spend with most people. Mm -hmm. And they like go through a checklist that's on the superficial level and they're not doing a deep dive. They don't know the patient. They're not really hearing the patient or listening to what they're saying. And it is absolutely the most frustrating thing from the patient's standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you that if I felt like I was practicing medicine like that, I would open a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> like I would say, okay, Jen, time to do something else. Like that just, there is, that could not sound less fulfilling to me, mm-hmm. you know, to do that. And, and it really is heartbreaking to me to think of all the patients who have that experience on the daily with their doctor or healthcare provider. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely the antithesis of what that encounter should be like. And I think that, you know, the, the symptoms that you kind of mentioned as examples are common. And I would say two things about anyone suffering with anything like that. Number Mm -hmm. one, something that I say a lot to my patients is your body is not a robot. Okay, it's an incredible, miraculous machine and mm-hmm. organism, but not every machine functions the same exact way day in, day out for 80 plus years, right? Mm-hmm. There are days where your car runs well, there are days where you might get a flat tire, right? So your body, you can think of the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so little ups and downs are common, they're normal, they are to be expected, and most, the the kind of filter that I normally give people, including my own kids who are now in college, Mm -hmm. is if, first of all, one Ashtonism, if you will, (laughs) I just made up that word, is things that are really serious don't stay the same or get better on their own. They get worse. Mm -hmm. So if you wake up with a pain one day, I would not freak out one day. I would, you know, take some Tylenol or Motrin or take a warm bath or stretch or go get a massage, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. and see how it is in a couple of hours, see Mm -hmm. how it is the next day, see how it is in a week, Mm -hmm. okay? Serious things do not stay the same or get better. They get worse. Mm -hmm. Um, And I literally use that filter on myself because I am no different than any other person, despite all the initials I have after my name. When I get something weird, my mind goes right to cancer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I do not pass go. I do not collect $200. I do not stop. I go right from zero to 60, like, oh my God, I have cancer. One time in my life, I actually thought I had four different types of cancer all at once. <laughs> okay, that's True a story. <laughs> okay, exactly. <laughs> it's happened. So I get it, mm-hmm. and I literally will say to myself, just give it time, like put it in the back burner. And obviously, the vast majority of the time, things go away. Yes. Okay. That's one really helpful way to kind of th- have that conversation with yourself. Mm-hmm. The other thing is when you look at a lot of those symptoms that you gave – Unfortunately, a lot of them do go back to those three pillars that I talked about, the mm-hmm. trifecta of health and wellness, sleep, movement, you know, i.e. our fitness, how mm-hmm. active we are, and our fuel or nutrition or our diet or our food. Yep. I can tell you that after being in practice for 15 years, after getting a degree in nutrition, after taking care of thousands of patients... If you have any of those symptoms, and I, the first place I will ask a patient to tell me about is those three things. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your sleep. Tell me about what you eat. 
and tell me about how you move. And I will tell you that the vast majority of the time that uncovers not maybe not the entire cause, but a large contributing factor. Mm. And why do most doctors not want to go there? Because they maybe because they can't write a prescription for it. Sure. Maybe because they can't quote unquote bill for it if they take insurance. I, I don't know. But that is where the money is. That's the sweet. I don't. I don't mean literally money. I mean that's where like the that's the sweet spot. Yeah. And it's the sweet spot of health and wellness. But it's also the sweet spot when something is, you know, bothering you. Just yeah. coming down here today. You know, coming from Good Morning America. You know, in the car coming down here. I was doing my meditation and I got like a headache and I got like a queasy feeling and I thought to myself, oh wonder why, Jen. Maybe it's because you've been up since five. Mm-hmm. It's now 11 and you've had no food. Mm-hmm. I wonder why. Yeah. So, you know, rather than say, oh, God, I have a headache. I have a brain tumor. I mean, I might think that later. <laughs> but She's now, just like us. <laughs> since I've treated the brain tumor with some food. A snack. And a it's banana. miraculously gone away. There you go. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, okay, I want to switch um, topics quickly, and then I want to talk about your book. Talk to me about the lack of money that has been put into research on women's health. Oh, that is like literally one of my favorite things to talk about. Tell me about that. Okay. <laughs> because First, it's so real. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so real. And I'm so glad like that's on your radar. I'm so glad you're asking about it. I, I will say to start, um, I'm not an expert in medical economics or mm-hmm. finance or politics. I stay in my lane. However, um, obviously, as someone who's dedicated my professional medical career to women's health, and as a woman, and as the mother of a daughter, I care about this a lot. Yeah. And um, it's something that luckily is starting to get more of a national spotlight. It's starting to get more attention. But it was like the, it was like this big secret yeah. for so long in the worlds of medicine and science. And when I tell you, like, the funding has been absent for women's health, it's not just to study, let's say, gynecology or heart disease in women. It's to fund female scientists. It's to elevate and recognize women in fields of science, technology, and medicine Mm -hmm. so that they, there can be parity in the professional arena of those careers. Right. So it's literally across the board. Mm-hmm. And finally now we're starting to see, like, that's not okay. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, okay. It's not okay. And, um, you know, let's just start with the number one killer of women and men, heart disease. You know, for for decades heart disease research was only done in men. And Mm -hmm. if it was done in animals, it was done in male animals. Really? Yes. That's so fucked up. (laughs) Okay. And even today, Mm -hmm. when we look at studies, you look at the the study population, and if it's not 50% women, that's incomplete methodology. You know, you can't take a result in a man and say, oh, well, this drug worked in a man. It'll work the same way in a woman. It applies, yeah. It, It just... This is this is not 
acceptable anymore. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it existed in the study and development of drugs, in some surgical procedures, in some tests, mm -hmm. in the field of gynecology and obstetrics. I mean, you're, you're like, what do you mean? That's a field in women's health. But it's underfunded. Yeah. It is literally, it gets no funding, no support, no attention from the media. So thank goodness that's changing. Um, but I will tell you that it's, it's a huge problem, and we have a lot of ground to make up for. Mm -hmm. How we're going to do that, I don't know, but I think luckily it, at least it's starting. Yeah, I would agree with you. Tell me about your book, The Self-Care Solution, please. Self-care, I guess. Okay. I'm really excited about it, first of all. This is my fifth book, mm -hmm. and um, I did not want to write this book, much like my career in media. Oh. It fell on me. Okay. <laughs> um, and I, I'll tell you how it started, which is so interesting because the organic story of this really is like – you know, some women maybe who say like, well, I didn't want to have this baby, but now that it's here, I'm so happy about it. <laughs> it's kind of the same. I feel like this is my fifth baby book. Um, I did a dry month as a self-care challenge for myself. Dry alcohol? Yep. Yeah, okay. And um, in January of 2018, and I had, it was something I had wanted to do because I was in a, I was coming out of um, 2017, which was the worst year of my life. Um, suicide hit my family. My children's father died by suicide. Mm. Um, two weeks after our amicable divorce, um, I never in a million years thought that that would happen to my family. And it literally shattered our world. And when I was trying to put my pieces of my life and my children's life back together, by the end of 2017, I really kind of, in the few moments that I had to myself, you know, sat there and said, what do I want the next year to look like for me? Mm -hmm. um, what kind of things do I want to accomplish? You know, and I don't mean on paper. I really mean like inner things. Do I want to accomplish as I'm sure you, you get it. Yeah. And, um, and it was really about kind of doing what we started um, this conversation by talking about like applying the, the medical and scientific and wellness lens that I help patients with turning that onto myself. Sure. And, you know, I'm a really big believer in you have to practice what you preach. You know, you have to be authentic and you have to not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. But, um, you know, really when you look, when you turn that kind of lifestyle on yourself, what are you going to discover? Mm -hmm. And so it was really kind of taking stock of where I was and where I wanted to be. And part of it did come from fear, to be honest with you, Lo. Like it, it came from, you know, uh, being in my late 40s and saying like, okay, you know, I just had this tragedy hit my family. Life is really precious. You know, how can I make the most of the time that I'm here? And, you know, I don't want to assume that I'm so healthy you know, even though on the surface I was and I am, I really mm -hmm. want to do the deep dive. Mm -hmm. And so I decided I was going to try a dry month, no alcohol, which the last time I had done that, I was pregnant with <laughs> Chloe and she's in college now. Um, and I want to be clear, this was not, this is not an exercise for someone who's, you know, needs to do it for abstinence or sobriety. This is, this was a wellness challenge yeah. for myself. I understand. And I just decided I was going to do it. I really didn't tell anyone about it. 
until I just so happened to be doing a segment on Good Morning America on January 2nd about women and their social alcohol consumption. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the segment, I announced to Robin Roberts that I was, I said, oh yeah, and by the way, I'm doing a dry month. And every, like the viewers, the producers, everyone went berserk. And they were like, oh my God, what do you mean? I want to do that. That sounds interesting. I don't know if I can do it. I've never done that. Like, what do you mean? I'll do it with you. Mm -hmm. And it just exploded from there. And Mm -hmm. then I did a a different challenge in February. And after that, I got called by HarperCollins and they said, you have to make this a book. And I said, do I though? Do I have to? <laughs> I really don't want to. Like a book is a lot of work and I really, who cares about my little challenges and whatever. I love it though. But, but I think what it speaks to, and I'm glad you love it and I hope you'll do a challenge I with me this it. year. Send me the book. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> of course. I'm going to take meticulous notes. No, no. We'll do the challenge together. Well, yeah, that's the whole point. It's an exercise in self. Yeah. And so it became the year of self-care challenges mm-hmm. and this is the year of self-care it's the biggest one of the biggest health trends of 2020 new decade new you totally so yeah. what's nice about this is you it's really like the anti new year's resolution book mm-hmm. it's not about anything massive these are little discrete challenges yeah. and you can do them you cannot do them you could do some of them at the end of the year hopefully some of them have become daily habits right and um, I give you the science behind it I give you my ups and downs and like what worked for me what didn't work for me what I learned and and it's just the community that has exploded around this has been incredible that's so exciting so if you do a challenge for a month and it goes well for you then do you recommend just continuing on with that piece of the challenge for sure and then you build on it so that's how it works yep and so in in 2018 in May I finally got to a day where I realized oh my god I just did like all five challenges in one day And they're all, by the way, you can do them anywhere. They cost nothing. They take minutes or seconds. Mm -hmm. You know, you can do them old, young, fit, unfit, male, female, you name it. You can do them. I feel like the Dr. Seuss book. You can do them on a plane, on a train, on a bus, on a cab, whatever. And so it's really been fun. Awesome. Cool. Well, I cannot wait to read it. Oh, we'll do one together. Um, I love your overall advice, right, of get more rest, move your body, and nutrition, right? What you put into your body is really, really important and affects how you feel every day. Um, and I think for our listeners and for you know people who love, love wellness and like what we do, I think that that is really, really good information and like insight on how to move forward. Because um, like I said, I think most people, they feel pretty good, but they don't always feel good. You yeah. know what I mean? And And so it's about sort of like small solutions um, within your life that can like have a really big impact. And I think it's about experimenting with what's right for you and what works for you. And, you know, that was one of the things I learned when I was doing the challenges that are in the self-care solution is Mm -hmm. one of, of course, there's a chapter on sleep, right? One of the most important things for us. And I thought, and I am, I'm like a sleep Nazi. Me too. (laughs) Right? It's like the number one oh, thing I do for myself. Everyone in this room myself. is shaking their head. Like, uh-huh. Right? Like, okay, show of hands, who has canceled social plans because they want to go? Oh, my God. Like We're the last two the nights. Same. Yeah, same. I'm like, ah, uh, I got to go to bed. Yeah, no, no, for sure. <laughs> it's 830. I'm going to sleep. Goodbye. For sure. So I, I, when I started that month um, for the book, I was like, my sleep is already pretty good. Like I get seven hours a night. 
wish it were eight, but I feel pretty good at seven. And for that month, Mm -hmm. I really focused on it and I was averaging eight. And guess what? I felt a difference. I was going to say, what was the challenge that had the uh, biggest positive effect on your life? Was it the sleep month? Literally, it was so many of them. I mean, there's a stretching challenge that, I mean, I'm like the most flexible person and I'm, you know, and I was like, why do I need to stretch? I can do a split. Why do I need to stretch? Why do you need to that's stretch? That's not the point, though. And that's what I learned in that month is I did these stretches for literally 90 seconds a day, and I felt better. I had better posture. Huh? My posture sucks normally. And, like, when I was stretching, it was better. So, I mean, there were just so many things. It's almost like look where you don't feel you need to look. Yeah. But that's where people have blinders on, right? Exactly. It's like you don't know what you don't know. Totally. And I So was, read this book, me. and you'll discover all these I things. I hope so. I mean, literally, like I did, I learned so so much um, about myself and and doing them with friends. I had, you know, my kids did some of them with me. Mm-hmm. My boyfriend did some of them with me. I mean, the social community, doing it with a friend. I'm going to hold you to it. You and I will do one together we'll this year. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it was really, really interesting what you can learn about yourself. I love that. Cool. Thank you. Where can our listeners find you? So I Everywhere. am big on Instagram. I love <laughs> the Instagram um, at DRJ Ashton. I'm on Good Morning America pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I try to answer back questions or comments on Instagram. Great. Only the I'm nice gonna, ones. Though. I'm going to start no. asking you questions on Instagram. <laughs> oh yeah. Hi, Dr. Sure. Ashton. It's low. Yeah. <laughs> Me again. <laughs> Hello. I'm, I'm back. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, this has been so exciting. And where can our listeners find the self-care solution? You know, it's everywhere. Obviously it's on every major book retailer, um, Amazon and the self-care solution. And, and I will say that I, I'm very, very aware that my life is crazy busy and I have resources that I'm fortunate enough to have that a lot of people don't have, but I hope that people who read it will take from it that they can make this solution fit for whatever their life is. Um, And it's really not about how many hours a day you work or how much money you have or don't have. It's really just about the curiosity in looking at your own habits, your own self-care and realizing that you are probably just fine where you are right now. It's not about fixing anything, Mm -hmm. but it's about making things even better. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. All right. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Lo. Thanks, Lo.